Welcome to the Field Trip Podcast. I'm Kara Platoni. I'm Eric Simmons. And I'm Teresa Chin. In this show, we're going to take you up close and personal with marine life. How up close and personal? Like jellyfish sex, up close and personal. It's going to be actual science in this podcast, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> There's actually a lot of cool invertebrate research that's going on underwater. Which we're exploring with a submersible. So pack your sunscreen and your beach hat. Do you understand what a submersible is? And let's go on a field trip. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's nice to be here. Thanks for letting us borrow you from your science producing job at Youth Radio. No problem. So I'm really excited about this field trip because you got to go to one of my very favorite places, Monterey Bay. Oh, me too. I mean, Monterey is a great place if you're interested in marine life. There are otters, seals, dolphins. It's a really big whale watching area. Sharks. Yeah, sharks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then there's the kelp forest. And so there's a lot to see. Especially when you get to use a submarine. Totally. Though I have to tell you, Eric, it's it's not technically called a submarine. It's a submersible. Yeah, so what's the difference? Submersibles are actually smaller. Uh, they're usually partnered with a boat that helps with navigation and transportation. So you can't live on one for long periods of time. And this is why we don't all live on a yellow submersible. <laughs> True. <laughs> But they're still very cool. This one, it's called Antipodes, is what you would call a manned submersible. This means it has a human driver inside, as opposed to a remotely operated vehicle, or an ROV, which is controlled entirely from the surface. So it's like one of those remote-controlled toy cars with an antenna. Yeah, exactly. So Antipodes can fit five people, mm, kind of comfortably. The whole thing is about the size of a minivan, and it looks like a big yellow crab. It has two giant ballast tanks on either side, and this giant observation window in the front that sticks out like an eye. The better to see the fish with, my dear. You you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is an awesome way to see fish, I have to say. It's totally different from scuba diving because one, you can talk to each other. It's a good thing. And two, you can go to places you wouldn't ordinarily get to see. For example, we took the sub out to a shipwreck off the coast of Monterey. It's about 300 feet below the surface. Now, a really experienced scuba diver could stay at that depth for maybe 15 minutes. After that, you risk this thing called decompression sickness. Too much nitrogen builds up in your blood. With the sub, you can stay down there as long as you have air without any problem. So who gets to use this kind of submersible? This particular sub is mostly used for educational purposes. On the day I visited, there were some high school students from a local robotics class and a few marine biologists from Cal State Long Beach. They were testing out a new type of camera for underwater observation. So what kinds of sea life did you see down there? You know, it actually started while we were still on the boat towing out to see the wreck. We pull out of the harbor, and all of a sudden, I look down and I notice we're surrounded by thousands of jellyfish. Some are fairly small, grapefruit size maybe. Others are easily a foot and a half at the dome, with these long flowing tentacles, all drifting into each other like a giant bowl of oversized egg yolks. It's beautiful. What kind of jellyfish was it? The golden sea nettle. That's Doris Welsh. She's a marine biologist. She also co-owns the boat we're using to tow the submarine, and she loves these jellyfish. They're scientific name is Chrysora, and sometimes this, you'll come across a patch, a swarm of them that is so thick, it feels like you could actually walk across it. I would not want to be in that water. No way. Sea nettle stings pack a mean punch, thus the name. But for the jellies, swarming is a part of their life cycle, which is um, unusual. How so? Okay, I have to ask because you brought it up. How do jellyfish do it? <laughs> that is really complicated to explain. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. 
I didn't know jellyfish had sex. I mean, at least not sex sex. I mean, they don't exactly have the parts, right? No, they can't reproduce internally like mammals, for example. So do they lay eggs or something? Kind of. This is how Doris explained it. Many invertebrates, they do uh, broadcast spawning, which means that the males will spew out their um, male gametes, the females, their female gametes, their eggs, and then they meet in the water and, you know, form an embryo. And that's only the beginning. It settles on a substrate, maybe a rock or the bottom, and it grows up into a column. And from that column, it squeezes off disc-like offspring. Cool term. I told you this was complicated. It's called strobilation. I'd be like, when two jellyfish love each other very much. No, no, this is extremely complicated. So they strobilate and they they shoot off these like like mini frisbee shaped things that go up into the water. And those little frisbee disc things, they end up growing the tentacles and becoming the adult jelly. That is so. I know, right? And it's only a small taste of what you can run into when you have your very own sub. Sometimes you get these long chains of larger selps or large diatoms sometimes that you can actually see visually. And those chain up into these big fibrous tendrils that that just look like a loogie. I mean, it looks like sea snot. It's, you know, you're, you're flying through a big wall it's not. <laughs> that sub pilot Erica Bergman, she's 22. She's been driving small subs for the past two years. The ability to get researchers and students and people first-hand experience of the ocean gives them perspective on things that might seem really abstract at first. So when you talk about ocean currents, you know, you kind of wave it off. You're like, oh yes, the ocean is moving. But when you get somebody down inside the submarine and they're moving with the currents and they can feel it, Um, and they can see it, it's so much more tangible and then they can take that experience and share it with other people. Um, And that's what I find so incredibly wonderful about submersibles, besides the fact that they are just really cool. I have to take Erica's word on that one. Because of space limitations, I'm not able to go down on the dives that day. But luckily, I get some inside help to capture the experience. I'm David Todd. Uh, I work with the Ocean Gate Foundation. That's the organization that funds Antipodes' educational voyages. David is also a scuba diver and a marine biologist. I'm 49. I came up with the with Jacques Cousteau as, as an ocean hero, and uh, well, I love everything about the ocean. David offers to take a microphone down on the first dive of the day to the wreck about a mile off the coast of Monterey. I'm actually in the front of the submarine now, looking out front where the LED and halogen lights are, seeing the seafloor at approximately 300 feet, tube worms, flatfish, oh, there's a small octopus. The mission of the dive is to test an underwater camera system built by students at Cal State Long Beach. While David is underwater with the crew, I sit with Randy Holt, another submarine pilot. Using navigational equipment on our boat, Sanctuary, he helps Antipodes navigate the wreck. Antipodes Sanctuary, comm check. Please take a heading of 180 degrees, range 250 meters. Are you getting a shot of that anchor? This looks like a a kind of Disney. Yeah, it's like like, if uh, it's 
It's like a cartoon version of an anchor, except it's real and huge. So what are the noises you're hearing in the background there? I mean, it sounds kind of like a vacuum cleaner. Those are actually part of the sub itself. I asked Erica Bergman to explain. Yeah, so you're hearing a few things. Um, the thrusters will whir. Very cool. Using this little joystick. You'll hear the clicking and snapping of the tracking system over the scuba phone, and then the high-pitched noise that you are hearing is probably the sound of the pilot opening up air for the ballast tanks. I believe the pilot is uh, blowing some air to slow down our ascent. And depending on how much he opens that valve up, as the air goes through this tiny little quarter-inch diameter tubing, it'll make a, a high-pitched sound as it enters the ballast tank. Bubbles. Bubbles. We're a little giddy here. <laughs> Sometimes we're lucky enough to hear dolphins around. And um, if we're in an area with a lot of shrimp, you can hear the, the clicking of shrimp. It sounds like a rain stick. So they were there to test an underwater camera, right? But it sounds like maybe they should have had an underwater radio. Sound does travel better in water than in air. But visually, colors are more vivid, too. So even if you're just exploring with your eyes, you're likely to find a few surprises under the surface. We're leaving the wreck now and head up from approximately 300 feet up to about 50 feet. Okay, we're starting to see light from the surface. What is our depth? Uh, we're at 175. starting to see light from the surface. So the photic zone is often, is that correct? We just saw a bird. There's a bird out here. Oh, there's a bird swimming down at 175 feet. (laughs) (laughs) And even from the surface, this dive is pretty cool. So the second dive just ended, and we had the lifeboat going out to go and get the participants. And it's really cool to see this subsurface. It's like the water just turns white and frothy for a little bit, and then it just pops up like a little yellow cork back. How was it? Unbelievable. Such a beautiful dive. I've done half a dozen dives. That one is just far and away. Such a beautiful dive. It was visibility. It was life. It was unbelievable. And you come up and it's sunny. Erica Bergman and Doris Welch describe what they saw on the dive. It was just incredible. At the end there, we were down at the stern section and there were thousands of squid. I couldn't oh. see past the squid. Oh, wow. So many of them. And the, um, the big blue mouse anemones all over the wreck. It was just wow. a beautiful structure. What, did we, what else did we see down there, Craig? Octopus, we saw octopus. Yeah. It's like an octopus's garden. Mm-hmm. In the shade. With the yellow submarine. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was not aware that one could make quite so many beetles-related marine biology puns. Yeah, from what I can tell, it's a pretty unique way to see the ocean. And lots of people are interested in underwater life right now. In fact, Google just released a prototype version of maps where you can see 360-degree seascapes. So now that you have an inn, how much would it cost to rent a sub, just by the way? I mean, did you ask? I'm just curious. For this sub, about $15,000 per day. Hmm. Guess you'll have to wait, Eric. (laughs) Yeah, subs are pretty pricey. But if you do manage to make it out, at least the whale jokes are free. (laughs) So there's two whales sitting in a bar, right? One whale turns to the other whale and he goes... (laughs) 
Bob turns to him and says, give me the keys, Bob, you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for a special Summer Dispatches edition of the Field Trip Podcast. This is the last episode of Series 3. We hope you've enjoyed hearing from our field correspondents. Our behind-the-scenes team includes producer Casey Miner, composer Andrew Sutherland, and illustrator Mike Smith. Special thanks to this week's reporter, Teresa Chin from Youth Radio. My pleasure. And as always, thanks to Jim Richards, Jeremy Rue, the UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism, all of the correspondents who contributed to this series, and science nerds everywhere. If you'd like to hear past episodes, you can download our podcast for free on iTunes or from our website fieldtrippodcast.com. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed for more updates. We're at Field Trip Log. I'm Eric Simmons. I'm Carol Platoni. And thanks for listening. 